Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing today with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and as usual with this book, trigger warning, the past was the worst, and that should be all I have to say on the matter. The past was the worst, and this book is full of phrases that should have never been said but were acceptable in the times. So when those come up, I'll be dropping the audio so that it's not heard um, for monetization reasons on YouTube. But if you find that sort of language difficult, um, maybe listen to another book. Um, Yeah, let's dive in. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain Chapter 26 Well, when they was all gone, the king, he asked Mary Jane how they was off for spare rooms. And she said they had one spare room, which would do for Uncle William. And she'd give her own room to Uncle Harvey, which was a little bigger. And she would turn into the room with her sisters and sleep on a cot. And up Garrett was a little cubby with a pallet in it. The king said the cubby would do for his valet, meaning me. So Mary Jane took us up and showed them to their rooms, which was plain, but nice. She said she'd have her frocks and a lot of other traps taken out of the room if they was in Uncle Harvey's way, but he said they weren't. The frocks was hung all over the wall, and before them was a curtain made out of calico that hung down to the floor. There was an old hair trunk in one corner and a guitar box in another, and all sorts of knickknacks and gym cracks around like girls brisking up a room with. The king said it was more homely and more pleasanter for these fixings, and so don't disturb him. The duke's room was pretty small, but plenty good enough and so was my cubby. That night, they had a big supper, and all them men and women was there, and I stood behind the king and duke's chairs and waited on them, and waited on the rest. Mary Jane, she sat at the head of the table, with Susan alongside her, and said how bad the biscuits was, and how mean the preserves was, and how ornery and tough the fried chicken was, and all that kind of rot the way women do to force out compliments, and all the people knowed everything was tip-top, and said so, said, how do you get the biscuits so brown and nice? And where, for land's sake, did you get these amazing pickles? And all that kind of humbug talky-talk, the way people always does at supper, you know? When it was all done, me and the hare-lip had supper in the kitchen, off the leavings, whilst the others was helping the n- clean up the things. The hare-lip, she got to pumping me about England, and blessed if I didn't think the ice was getting mighty thick sometimes. She says, Did you ever see the king? Who? William Fourth? Well, bet I have. He goes to our church. I know he was dead years ago, but I never let on. So, when I says he goes to our church, she says, What? Regular? Yes, regular. His pew's right over opposite Arn, on the other side of the pulpit. I thought he lived in London. Well, he does. Where would he live? But I thought you lived in Sheffield. I see I was up a stump. I had to let on to get chucked with a chicken bone, and so to get time to think about how to get down again. Then I says, I mean, he goes to our church regular when he's in Sheffield. That's only in the summertime, when he comes up there to take sea baths. Why, how you talk? Sheffield ain't on the sea. Well, who said it was? Why, you did. I didn't, another. You did. I didn't. You did. I never said nothing of the kind. Well, what did you say then? Said he come to take the sea baths. That's what I said. Well, then, how is he going to take sea baths if it ain't on the sea? Looky here, I says. Did you ever see any Congress water? Yes. Well, did you ever have to go to Congress to get it? Why, no. 
Well, neither does William Forth have to go to the sea to get sea bath. Well, how does he get it, then? Gets it the way people down here gets Congress water, in barrels. There, in the palace at Sheffield, they got furnaces, and he wants his water hot. They can't buy that amount of water away off there at sea. They haven't got the conveniences for it. Oh, I see. Now, you might have said that in the first place. Save time. When she said that, I see it was out of the woods again, and so I was comfortable and glad. Next, she says, Do you go to church, too? Yes, regular. Where do you sit? Why, in our pew. Whose pew? Why, Arn, your Uncle Harvey's. Isn't? What does he want with a pew? Wants to sit in it. What do you reckon he wanted with it? Why, I, I thought he'd be in the pulpit. Rot him! I forgot he was a preacher. I see it was up a stump again, so I played a chicken bone and got another think. Then I says, blame it, do you suppose there ain't but one preacher to a church? Why, what do they want with more? What? To preach before a king? I never see such a girl as you. They don't have no less than seventeen. Seventeen? My land! Why, I wouldn't set out such a string as that, not if I never got to glory. Must take him a week. Shucks. They don't all of them preach the same day. Only one of them. Well, then, what does the rest of them do? Oh, nothing much. Loll around, pass the plate, one thing or another, but mainly they don't do nothing. Well, then, what are they for? Why, they're for style. You don't know nothing. Well, I don't want to know such foolishness as that. How is servants treated in England? They treat them better than we treat our... No, certainly ain't nobody there. Treat them worse than dogs. They don't give them holidays the way we do? Christmas, New Year's, and Fourth of July? I'll just listen. A body could tell you ain't never been to England by that. Why, Joanna, they never see a holiday from year's end to year's end. Never go to the circus, nor theater, nor shows, nor nowheres. Nor church, nor church. But you always went to church. Well, I was gone up again. I forgot I was the old man's servant. But next minute, I walked in on a kind of explanation how a valet was different from a common servant and had to go to church, whether he wanted to or not, and sit with the family on account of it being the law. But it didn't do pretty good. When I got done, I could see she weren't satisfied. She says, Honest engine now. Ain't you been telling me a lot of lies? Honest engine, says I. None of it at all? None of it at all. Not a lie in it, says I. Lay your hand on this book and say it. I say it weren't nothing but a dictionary, so I laid my hand on it and said it. So then she looks a little better satisfied and says, What is it you won't believe, Joe? Says Mary Jane, stepping in with Susan behind her. It ain't right nor kind for you to talk to him so. And him, a stranger, and so far from his people. How would you like to be treated so? That's always your way, ma'am. Always sailing in to help somebody before they hurt. I ain't done nothing to him. He told me some stretches, I reckon. And I said I wouldn't swallow it at all. And that's every bit of grain I did say. I reckon he can stand a little like that, can he? I don't care whether it was little or whether it was big. He's here in our house and a stranger. And it wasn't good of you to say it. 
If you was in his place, it would make you feel ashamed. And so you oughtn't say a thing to another person that will make them feel ashamed. Why, ma'am, he said, it don't make no difference what he said. That ain't the thing. The thing is for you to treat him kind and not be saying things to make him remember he ain't in his own country amongst his own folks. I says to myself, this is a girl that I'm letting that old reptile rob her of her money. Then Susan, she waltzed in, and if you'll believe me, she did give Harelip hark from the tomb. Says I to myself, and this is another one that I'm letting him rob her of her money. Then Mary Jane, she took another in it and went in sweet and lovely again, which was her way. But when she got done, there weren't hardly anything left of old poor Harelip, so she hollered, All right then says the other girls. You just ask him his pardon. And she done it, too. And she done it beautiful. She done it so beautiful it was good to hear. And I wished I could tell her a thousand lies so she could do it again. I says to myself, this is another one that I'm letting him rob her of her money. And when she got done, they all just laid themselves out to make me feel at home and know I was amongst friends. I felt so ornery and low down and mean that I says to myself, my mind's made up. I'll have that money for him or bust. So then I lit out for bed, I said, meaning sometime or another. When I got by myself, I went to thinking the thing over. I says to myself, shall I go to that doctor, private, and blow on these frauds? No, that won't do. He might tell him who told him, and the king and duke would make me warm for it. Shall I go private? and tell Mary Jane. No, I dasn't do it. Her face would give him a hint, sure. They've got the money. They'd just slide right out and get away with it. If she was to fetch help, I'd get mixing with the business before it was done, I judge. Nope, there ain't no good way but one. I got to steal that money somehow, and I got to steal it in some way that they won't suspicion that I done it. They got a good thing here, and they ain't gonna leave till they've played this family and this town for all they're worth. So I'll find a chance time enough. I'll steal it and hide it. And by and by, when I'm away down the river, I'll write a letter and tell Mary Jane where it's hid. But I better have it tonight, if I can, because the doctor maybe hasn't let up as much as he lets on he has. He might scare him out of here yet. So, thinks I, I'll go down and search their rooms. Upstairs, the hall was dark, but I found the duke's room and started to paw around it with my hand. But I recollected it wouldn't be much like the king to let anybody else take care of that money but his own self. So then I went to his room and began to paw around there. But I see I couldn't do nothing without a candle, and I just light one, of course. So I judged I gotta do the other thing, light for him, and eavesdrop. About that time, I hears their footsteps coming along, and I was going to skip under the bed. I reached for him but it weren't where I thought it would be. But I touched the curtain that hid Mary Jane's frocks, so I jumped in behind that and snuggled in amongst the gowns and stood there, perfectly still. They come in and shut the door, and the first thing the Duke done was to get down and look under the bed. Then I was glad I hadn't found the bed when I wanted it. And, you know, it's kind of natural to hide under the bed when you're up to anything private. They sets down, and then the king says, Well, what is it? And cut it short, because it's better for us to be down there, a whooping up the morning, than up here, giving them a chance to talk us over. 
I ain't easy. I ain't comfortable. That doctor lays on my mind. I want to know your plans. I got a notion, and I think it's a sound one. What is it, Duke? That we better glide out of this for three in the morning and clip it down the river for what we've got. Especially seeing we got it so easy, given back to us, flung at our heads, as you might say, when, of course, we're allowed to steal it back. I'm for knocking off and lighting out. That made me feel pretty bad. About an hour or two ago, it would have been a little different. But now, it made me feel bad and disappointed. The king rips out and says, What? And not sell the rest of the property? March off like a pestle of fools and leave eight or nine thousand dollars worth of property laying round just suffering to be scooped in? And all that good saleable stuff, too? The duke, he grumbled, said the bag of gold was enough and didn't want to go deeper. Didn't want to rob a lot of orphans for everything they had. Why, how you talk, says the king. We shan't rob them of nothing at all but just this money. The people that buys the property is the sufferers, because as soon as it's found out that we didn't own it, which won't be long after we slid, the sale won't be valid, and we'll go back to the estate. These year orphans will get their house back again, and that's enough for them. They're young and spry, and can easily earn a living. They ain't gonna suffer. Well, just think. There's thousands and thousands that ain't not so well off. Bless you. Bless you. They ain't got nothing to complain of. Well, the king, he talked himself blind. So, at last, he gave in and said all right. But said he was to blame for the foolishness to stay and the doctor hanging over him. But the king says, Curse the doctor! What are we here for? Ain't we got all the fools in town on our side? And ain't that a big enough majority in any town? So they got ready to go downstairs again. The duke says, I don't think we put that money in a good place. That cheered me up. I began to think I wasn't going to get a hint of no kind to help me. The king says, Why? Because Mary Jane will be in mourning from this out. And first you know that does up the rooms and we'll get an order to box these duds and put them away. Do you reckon a n can run across money and not borrow some of it? Your hair's level again, Duke, says the king. And he come a-fumbling under the curtain, two or three foot from where I was. I stuck tight to the wall. Kept mighty still. Now, quivery. I wonder what them fellows would do to me if they catch me. And I tried to think what I'd better do if they did catch me. But the king, he got the bag before I could think more than half a thought. And he never suspicioned I was around. They took and shoved the bag through a rip in the straw tick that was under the feather bed and crammed it in a foot or two amongst the straw and said it was all right now because the nigger only makes up the feather bed and don't turn over the straw tick only about twice a year so there weren't no danger of getting stalled now. But I know better. I had it out of there before they was halfway downstairs. I groped along up to my cubby and hid it there so I could get a chance to do better. I judged I'd better hide it outside of the house somewheres because if they missed it, they would give the house a good ransacking. I know that very well. Then I turned in with my clothes on me. But I couldn't have gone to sleep if I wanted to. I was in such a sweat to get through with the business. By and by, I heard the king and the duke come up. So I rolled off my pallet and laid with my chin at the top of the ladder and waited to see if anything was going to happen. But nothing did. So I held on till all the late sounds had quit.
and the early ones hadn't begun yet. And then I slipped down the ladder. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, let jazz, and if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there is more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review because it is the best way to get this in front of as many people as possible, which would be nice, and reading your reviews really makes my day. This is going to go horrendously. I am so, so, so worried for Jim, for Huck. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. This is going to be a nightmare. Um, I just, I just feel it. If you want to see how it plays out, though, join me in a couple of days. Once again, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.